If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Calls Cloud Business Phone Service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. All right, all right, all right. You are listening to the Home of Conservative, Not Bitter Talk. Yes, I am your host, Todd Huff. As always, folks, you can email me. I welcome that. Email address, Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. Email me your thoughts, questions, opinions, endless adoration and praise. <laughs> Kidding about that part, although I accept it. I will accept it. It's good to be here. Thanks for joining us. And yes, last night I watched as much as I could, as much as I could of this Democrat debate. You know, actually, when you compare and contrast, and I, I did this, Trump's in Milwaukee last night speaking before a raucous crowd. Milwaukee, Wisconsin, right? A state that he's not supposed to win. No, he's not supposed to be winning states like Wisconsin. They cannot allow that to happen. He's up on the debate stage. Excuse me, not debate stage. He's not on the debate stage. He's on the he's on the rally stage, rallying people. It's energetic. It's fun. You flip over to the stinking debate, and it felt like proverbial death up there. As I as I watched this, as much as I could, I didn't see the whole thing. I didn't see the whole thing. I checked out at some point. It was uh, it was a little tough. I think actually, my wife dozed off watching it. So if that tells you anything, but I want to talk about the debate today. I want to talk about the stark contrast in choices. I want to talk about some of the things that I heard on that stage. I want to talk about all sorts of things. But the first thing I want to talk about, so I'm queuing this up for, to to play a soundbite here. The first thing I want to talk about is what they. They being the the left thought that they heard in this thing last night. So keep in mind, let's set the stage. We're down to six Democrats. Pause, by the way. Remember, this this is the party that tells us constantly about that everything is about identity politics. Everything is about superficiality. Everything is about your race, your gender, your ethnicity, sexual orientation, all of these things. Of course, these things it it's a it's a double edged sword of course people should be able as americans to run for office regardless of these things right and there was a time in america's history where that wasn't the case or excuse me where where that you couldn't run let's say it that way where you couldn't be president whatever um now that's that is not that's not the case what matters are the ideas that are being espoused what matters is the direction that you want to take this country. What matters 
are your views on the economy, your your views on your role as commander in chief, your role in, in their role, right as as person as a person running for president, their role as president. God forbid some of these jokers, any of these jokers, win uh, win that office. Their role, their view of the role of government, the relation of man, mankind, including women, humankind, to their government, whether we are citizens or subjects, whether we are, as the Declaration points out, created with inalienable rights, that among those are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, or whether we are simply a number whether we are simply controlled by the masses. What the masses wants has to apply to our lives. This is an ideological battle that's waging in the United States of America. That's what we have. And so, for starters, and I'm looking at a picture now on Fox, we had Tom Steyer, old white man. We had Elizabeth Warren, old white woman, pretend Native American, we have Joe Biden, crazy old white man. At least he's uh, subjected to uh, some some slips of the tongue, let's just say. Then we have Bernie Sanders, crazy. You talk about crazy. Crazy Bernie. The nutty professor Bernie Sanders up there talking about ideas and things that are truly – look, I, Bernie believes this stuff, I think. But as as it stands, his ideas are really bad. Dangerously bad for this great nation. Then we have Pete Buttigieg. He's another white guy, right? This is, again, the party of identity politics. This is all they care about. In fact, they they are starting to, Van Jones, I saw, uh, was, was disappointed by this, right? They talk about the importance of these things. And again, people should be able to run, and we should be able to support them based upon the content of their the quality of or the content of their ideas, not just simply based upon these factors. And then we have Amy Klobuchar down at the end, who, by the way, her and Tom Steyer, I don't even know how they ended up on the stage. But nonetheless, that's what we had. We're down to six. We're a week away, or excuse me, a couple of weeks away. I think about two and a half weeks now, maybe three weeks out from the Iowa caucuses. We've seen the number of people on that debate stage shrink dramatically, right? We've seen the front runners kind of rise to the top with Biden and Bernie and my cousin Liz and Pete Buttigieg rise to the top. Of course, we didn't see Michael Bloomberg on stage. He's not going to be on the stage just yet. In fact, who knows if he'll ever be on the stage, depending upon the rules. He's waiting until Super Tuesday in March to jump into this race and start at least trying to win caucuses and primaries. So this is supposed to be, you know, lights on. This is supposed to be the big time. This is supposed to be their moment to shine, their moment to stand out, their moment to make their case, and it's running side by side with the Trump rally in Milwaukee, and it doesn't even come close, folks. It doesn't even come remotely close. I flipped back and forth for a moment, and I thought, you know what? This watching these Trump rallies as these Democrat debates are going on is is ingenious by the president. I hope he does it every single time that there's a debate because you can you can see a clear contrast. And of course, I understand there's some advantages to what Trump's doing, at least from the perspective of 
Uh, he's in control of the format. It's him on the stage the whole time. The crowd is cheering. The debate crowd's supposed to be quiet. This is supposed to be very academic and very serious. And everyone's supposed to come with these ideas that are apparently, uh, from their perspective, uh, in in the process of being destroyed by the, the great dictator, Donald Trump. And so there's this very cold and stoic, very distant, very impersonal, very cold and just not not entertaining not something i mean i follow this stuff you probably follow this stuff it's just not easy to watch this stuff it's just not and then you flip over and see trump and the rally and the cheering you're inclined to watch it just to see what he says next (laughs) what you know just where it goes he has a way of making you want to just to be engaged with him so you contrast that. That's going on. Kicking off the debate, the first thing that struck struck me was just the lack of diversity as they as they want to talk about the importance of this. And some people are already complaining about that, even even from the left and even CNN. CNN at the beginning of this thing, they had uh, they just had a bunch of white folks up there. Which again, I, it makes no difference to me. I'm just pointing this out from the perspective of the hypocrisy. I'm just pointing this out to you. As a way of saying, look, these folks, all they ever want to talk about are things that are of superficial nature. It makes zero difference to me. I mean, assuming you're there because you're qualified or whatever, I'm not saying that there's a legitimate case of racism or sexism that that's not bad. Of course that's bad. But the idea, the idea that every time there's three white people on camera together that it's racist, as they often tell us or whatever the case may be, sexist if it's a bunch of men. The hypocrisy is so deep. I remember, was it one time the Huffington Post, I think it was Huffington Post, was complaining about diversity in, in uh, you know in different places, whether that be executive boardrooms or media or, or television or wherever it was. And they took a picture of their group in a meeting, and it was all like 25 to 35-year-old women, white women, sitting around the table talking about the lack of diversity. So this sort of thing is not uncommon for the left. In fact, they have to make it about this because, folks, if it's about the substance of their ideas, if it's about the substance of their ideas, these things fall flat on their face, and that's what happened in my estimation last night. This thing was a total debacle from what I saw, so bad that I couldn't even stand to watch another minute of it. This thing was atrocious, but there's a couple things I do want to want to talk about and point out and get to because I think it's it's relevant to the political discourse and it's relevant to what we're selecting, what, what our choices are as a country. And so the strategy of the left, it's very clear, is to get people so riled up in their hatred for Donald J. Trump to make them think that he is truly the greatest risk to this country that we've ever seen. He's trying to destroy our democracy. Folks out there saying this, they have no idea what they're talking about. If you ask them why, they would probably stare at you and not even know they don't know why. This is not an uncommon sort of response. Some folks will 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 say the kind of standard things, but when pressed, these are these are empty empty fears, I guess I should say. You know, a president who does things like return your money, your money in the form of a tax, you know, a tax cut. That's not what a dictator does. A dictator doesn't come in and reduce the size of government, bureaucracy, the amount of funds. He or she doesn't come in 
and talk about how they can return more power to the American taxpayer, the individual. They don't see, they don't go to the point to where they say for every new rule or bureaucratic rule that's instituted in his or her presidency, they are going to uh, reduce or eliminate two others. They don't do these sorts of things. They don't talk about things like religious liberty. In fact, what they do is they tell you what you can and cannot believe, where you can and cannot go. Case in point, the Islamic Republic of Iran that we talked about yesterday, the former Soviet Union, all but eliminated churches. In fact, we've got a friend from the nation of Albania where churches were literally illegal. North Korea, same thing. This this is what dictators do. Fidel Castro. Sometimes they would let the churches exist for the historical traditional elements, right? You know, they, they would say, your, fa- your family went here. We want you to continue to do that. But really, really, I'm God is what the these dictators would say. You you worship the state. You you exist for the purpose of growing and making sure growing the state and making sure that it functions properly. But they've they've worked people up into this frenzy, their base anyway, that Donald Trump is dangerous and we just gotta pick one of these folks on stage immediately because every second that goes by, Donald Trump is putting this nation at at great risk. Again, this is what they this is the starting point of their debate. Right? This is where they start. It's about emotion. It's about superficial politics, identity politics. It's not about true substance. These ideas have been proven, demonstrated over the course of history to not work. They do not work because they do not correspond with reality and the way that man was created to live, the nature of of man. It interferes with our desire to be free. It interferes with the nature, the way in which we were created to be first and foremost responsible for ourselves. It institutionalizes things like charity and giving, which is not efficient, which takes away the human component. You look at these nonprofits and churches that do good work around the world, so much more efficient and effective per dollar by far than the federal government, but we're told that this is the way we're supposed to do it. We're told Jesus was a socialist and all this sort of stuff. This is the backdrop, emotionalizing things, terrifying people, working them up into a frenzy. Trump is about to institute, or I should say initiate, World War III, nuclear war. We're standing on the brink. Same sorts of things, by the way, they did to Ronald Reagan, although I would say in a much more aggressive, uh, over-the-top manner. So this is the backdrop for this debate, and I'm telling you, when you watch this thing, if you watch this thing, I would have to, I would venture to say anyone listening to my voice thought this was a real bore fest and that this was a total, uh, totally uninspiring total joke. And of course, part of us knew that this was going to be the case, but I would even say more so, more so than I even anticipated. So all that being said, I've got to take a break. When we get back, I want to play a soundbite, a soundbite that uh, summarizes everything I think you need to know about this, everything I think you need to know about last night's debate. And it comes from one of their own, a self-proclaimed liberal, uh, actually one who's got an affinity towards even much further leftist ideology than that on CNN out there telling us what he really thinks about the debate. And I think that this this summarizes their fear. They have real concerns, and they should. 
based upon what we saw last night. But I'll take a quick timeout and get to that. When we return, you're listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Welcome back. Been talking about this very exciting debate that took place last night. Actually, it was a boar fest. Actually, when compared and contrasted to what Donald J. Trump was doing on the stage in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, it was even uh, further illuminated just how terrible this debate was last night. But I want to, I, I'm a conservative commentator, right? And I do try to be fair, folks. I really do. I try to look at this in terms of what viewers who aren't conservative, who are Democrats, who are liberals, who are socialists, I try to see it as much as I can through their eyes. I do. Sometimes I feel like I need to take a shower after I do that. I need to rinse out my eyeballs and go on a nice long hike through the woods just to clear my head from all the garbage that that seems to accumulate when thinking about these things from that viewpoint because it's such a it's such an empty and just uh, just not a good ideology it's really bad it's hurtful it's hurtful to the individual it's hurtful to the nation it's the antithesis in many respects to what the founders made this one of this nation to be but i don't want to get into that right now i want to get into what they're thinking what they're telling us they're thinking so cnn after the debate decided we probably should have some more racial diversity on our panel because when i flipped it on before it was anderson cooper david axelrod uh there was another female like she's always on there her name is dana bash was on there and there was another uh, commentator i don't know if if we can think of the name of who that person was i'm looking over to oz and who's ignoring me but um it was all white people Right? White people, then they go to the debate stage. It's all white people plus the make believe Native American on stage. And so afterwards, they bring in Van Jones, good old Van Jones, communist connections in his past and so forth, coming out, telling us what he thinks. I think Van's, Van's all right. I mean, his ideology is very dangerous, but he's out here. He's telling, he's telling us what he thinks. And I want you to hear in his words how he describes last night's event because this is quite this is quite telling folks remember this is this is prime time this is the last debate before the first caucus or the first primary this is the Iowa caucus is first the first part of the democrat primary season this is it we're down to 6 this is the cream of the crop the best of the best this is your chance to make your case to excite the base to to actually win the state of Iowa to get some momentum heading into New Hampshire and Nevada, or as Trump says, it must be called Nevada, then to South Carolina and on to Super Tuesday. So here's their chance. They've got their opportunity. They think that they've got a president who's been impeached. It's going to be going to the Senate here soon. They think they've got him dead to rights. They think they've got him isolated. They think they've got him in trouble. They think they've got him on the ropes. They bring their candidates out for this performance last night, and this is 
This is the response of Van Jones, who's going to vote for one of these folks. Remember this. He's not. There's literally 0% chance. In fact, there may be a negative percent chance that Van Jones actually votes for a Republican, right? Donald Trump in this case. He's not going to do that. He's going to vote for one of these people up here, and this is what he has to say about last night's debate. And I want to say that tonight for me was dispiriting. Democrats going to have to do better than what we saw tonight. There was nothing I saw at night that would be able to take Donald Trump out, and I want to see a, a, a Democrat in the White House as soon as possible. There was nothing tonight that, if you're looking at this thing, you say this, any of these people are prepared for what Donald Trump is going to do to us, and to see further division tonight is very dispiriting. I want to go to uh, Chris Cuomo's. Dispiriting, folks. He's dispirited. He tells us there's no way, there's no way from what we saw from these six people on stage tonight. And you could tell, you could feel a little of the emotion in his voice. You could feel him basically saying, hey, this is, this is our big chance. This is our moment to shine. This is your last chance, candidates on stage, to win the hearts and minds of liberal voters, of Democrat voters, of socialist voters in America. This is your chance to take the state of Iowa. This is your chance. This is your chance to come out as the front runner. This is your chance to prove to the American people that you have what it takes to Stand nose to nose with President Donald J. Trump on the debate stage come sometime later this summer, fall, whenever those debates will actually begin. Here's your chance. You had the opportunity. And the word he uses, he's dispirited. I'm dejected, he's basically saying. I can't believe what I witnessed. I can't believe that this is the best of the best. I can't believe that this is what we, this is Van Jones, this is my interpretation of what he's saying. I think camera's off. He he's sharing his feelings in a very in front of the camera in a very I don't know, sterilized way, in a very he he wants people to to know that this is serious without really sharing the depths, the depths of his concern here. I think the door's closed. He's probably he's probably letting it fly and saying, "What the world have we got here, folks? What we witnessed tonight?" was atrocious. And again, comparing and contrasting that to Donald Trump in Milwaukee running simultaneously, running simultaneously to what we're looking at here on our debate stage. That juxtaposition is not a good comparative viewpoint. Right? It's just not. We've got entertainment, we've got passionate crowd at Donald's uh, Donald J Trump's rally. We've got chance. We've probably got some USA chance. We've got all sorts of stuff going on. Positive. That's good television, engaging. That's inspiring, at least to those who vote for Trump. Then you flip over and you watch this, and it is a true snore fest, bore fest, whatever you want to call this thing. A joke. And then factor in what we mentioned earlier, the lack of diversity of the folks on stage. When you go back to 2016 and you look at the diversity Republicans had at this point, I mean, Republican, the Republican field was much, much more diverse with Ben Carson, Carly Fiorina, Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, Bobby Jindal. I mean, this wasn't even close um, to, to, to what we had in the field for Republicans. Yet Republicans are the party of old white men. Republicans are the racists and all this sort of stuff. Now they don't even have that. That upsets them as well. But really and truthfully, what they're upset about is they are concerned. And they should be. 
They should be terrified. You figure, I just saw the other day, 93% of the media's reporting, network, I think it might have been just network news. It might be, you know, all all network and cable news sources, 93% negative coverage of Trump. Since the time Trump was elected, we've had Russian collusion, that nonsense go on. We've had this impeachment investigation. It's been one continuing nonstop investigation, controversy, right? Faux controversy, made up junk, hatred for Trump and the press, all sorts of nonsense going on in that regard. Any normal human being, any normal president, his or her uh, approval rating would probably be about 3%. The idea that Trump is even in the conversation of winning re-election here upsets them. And then they look and they say, here's our chance, and I've got to take a break. They say, here's our chance. Our candidates take take the debate stage, and they, well, they're not, they're not inspiring. This was a joke is basically basically what Van Jones was saying. Anyway, they are, they are worried. They are scared. They are concerned. And I'll tell you, once we start to identify this candidate, the person who's going to actually be the nominee for the Democrat Party, and it's no longer some nameless, uh, just general idea of who a, the Democrat nominee is, and you actually put one person's name down besides Donald J. Trump, and once you envision what will happen on those debate stages – uh, in the in the uh, you know during the, the the debate season as we lead up to this election, once we look at that, this is a whole different ball game, folks. In fact, I was thinking last night, watching uh, watching Pete Buttigieg, and Pete Buttigieg comes across. I mean, I don't agree with anything he says, but he's you know he can be articulate and well spoken and thoughtful and whatever. But he's he doesn't have you you imagine if you will what would happen on the debate stage between those two. I mean, it could be ugly. It could be ugly. Uh, I mean, the sort of thing that could destroy a career, possibly, of one Pete Buttigieg. Totally eliminate any future political ambitions altogether. I mean, these are the sorts of things that I think that they're thinking about and fearing. Behind closed doors, definitely, but you see a glimpse of it from what Van Jones said there. And I've got to take a break. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Welcome back. By the way, I should mention last night. Last night, I'm flipping through. You, you've heard me share my thoughts on this this boar fest, this snooze fest. My wife actually fell asleep. She fell asleep because now I know it gets a little bit late, especially when you uh, when you wake up early, as we do in the Huff household. But even though, even so, the idea, the idea that you put the debate on to effectively help you fall asleep. It's not it's not good for the Democrat Party. So I was watching a little bit of the Trump rally as much as it was being uh, aired. I think Fox was airing some of it and it was running in the bottom of the screen as I think Hannity was on and different times they might they might actually show the whole, um, you know, have the full screen and the volume on for the, the Trump rally. Anyway, as all that's going on, I'm flipping around and I look and I see, look, there's a there's a Barrett uh, Barrett Jackson auction on. 
And I remember in one of our advertisers on this program, TJ Freegee, Freegee and Freegee Auctions and Marketing, TJ actually is one of the auctioneers for this. So I thought I'm going to flip this on for a minute and see if I see good old, good old TJ. And lo and behold, I saw him at the time I saw him, he was not, he was not yet, he wasn't on the stage at the, at the desk. There's probably three or four of them sitting up there. He was up there sitting. I don't know what they're doing. Knowing TJ, it's probably not uh, just waiting for his chance to get up there and start the actual auction part. That's where he thrives and that's what he's really good at. So Sitting up there, saw him on TV, sent him a text, and uh, turned back a few minutes later, and he was up there auctioning. And it just reminded me, a little bit, a little bit of entertainment interspersed there, as I was boring, uh, boring myself and watching my wife doze off to this, to this Democratic debate. And just reminded me about our friends at Freegee and Freegee Auctions and Marketing. Check them out on the web. Check them out on the web, freegeeauctions.com. And see what they've got coming up. They've got some. They've got a constant uh, slate of upcoming auctions, whether they be real estate, whether they be firearms, whether they be uh, estate auctions. They are. There's always something going on, and on. And some of those things you can actually bid on. You can bid on over you know, online, which makes it even more interesting. But I said Freegee Auctions, Freegee Auctioneers. Pardon me, Freegee Auctioneers. F R E I J E auctioneers with an s.com that's freegeeauctioneers.com be sure to check them out and you know if you communicate with freegee be sure to tell them that uh well be sure to tell them that that we sent you and don't be afraid to talk with him about uh he's got some stories we grew up uh together so anyway but freegee does some great things there saw him last night it was entertaining to break this monotony from what i was watching uh, on the debate stage last night so Another thing I want to get to regarding last night's debate, you probably saw yesterday, I don't think we talked about this at all, but there was a big hubbub, a big to-do, big to-do about Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, right? Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren apparently met, if you believe this stuff, in 2018, closed-door meeting. They, they sit down to talk, I guess, about their political ambitions as president um, or just just kind of the, the the lay of the land regarding politics and the Democrat Party beating Donald Trump. I don't know the entire basis of the conversation, but they were supposedly having some sit down meeting, having some sit down meeting in which Elizabeth Warren, my cousin Liz, she says that Bernie Sanders looked at her and said, "A woman cannot win president of the United States," and so she leaks this to the media. Basically, uh, accusing even their own, even their own folks, right? This, Bernie Sanders led the charge to socialism back in 2016. Bernie Sanders was adored by the radical fringe left for some time. He's going to make everything free. He's going to make everything we don't like in life illegal. Probably at some point, even outlawing cancer, death, and all sorts of things like that. That's the power of the federal government in the hands of someone who cares about the people. Then he would probably tell us, that, why wouldn't you outlaw that? Don't you care about people? You don't want these things to be outlawed? When I hear the things that they stand for, that's actually as ludicrous as their other ideas sound to me. Because outlawing cancer and death is really uh, symbolic of, of what they 
try to do with the government elsewhere. Try to make try to make a total equality on this planet through the government. How in the world is that supposed to work? As I've said before, they can't even get their candidates equal time on the debate stage. Now I haven't run the numbers from last night. Surely to heaven, when you get down to six, you can be a little bit more more fair. But just from watching, I'll tell you, Tom Steyer didn't talk nearly as much as Bernie and Elizabeth Warren. But anyway, anyway, there's this big hubbub. Is Bernie a sexist? What does it mean women can't win? This is supposed to, you know, cause this uh, this uh, passion within liberal Democrat women who might have been have been voting for Bernie. Say, wait a minute, I can't believe Bernie would say that. I can't support that. Let's let's show him that he's wrong. Let's vote for Elizabeth Warren. Let's make her the next president of the United States. That's that's the intended uh, result of this. Now, I would have to say, gun to my head, who do I believe? Who do I believe, Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren? I have to tell you, I believe Bernie. I'm sure somebody out there says, oh, that makes Todd a sexist, of course, because that's the way everything's viewed through the – that's the lens everyone, certain people view things through. But Elizabeth Warren, I mean, this is the one who you know, wants to grab her a beer. Let me grab me a beer as I kick off my campaign. She's the one that told us that she's Native American. That's why I call her my cousin Liz because I'm actually looking back here for my genealogy. I'm the – Thirteenth uh, great grandson of Pocahontas, proven by <laughs> proven by genealogy, which is cool, awesome, great story, all that. But I don't go around on application saying I'm Native American, more Native American than Elizabeth Warren ever pretended to be. But anyway, point is, there's this strife and controversy between these two candidates, and it came up in last night's debate, and I want to get to that as well because that's something that people are talking about this morning, and I want to make sure we get to it. But again, take a time out. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, 13th great-grandson of Pocahontas, back in just a minute. watching this snore fest last night this sleep fest this boar fest and there's a part here that actually kind of got i guess my attention a little bit and we're going to play this really quickly talking about the elizabeth warren bernie sanders conflict i want you to listen to this exchange i want you to listen to this moderator who i have to tell you i don't know who this person is i don't know who she is um and that's not meant to be an insult i just don't know but she's asking Bernie Sanders. Oh, I just want you to hear it. And keep in mind, this is one of their own, meaning this is one of the socialists inside the Democrat Party. But he's a man. Oh, he's a man. We, you know, there's still a little bit of angst there. He's an old white man on top of that. Anyway, I want you to listen to this exchange. Just listen to how this is framed. Listen to the assumptions that are made. Listen to Bernie's response. Just listen to this. Here you go. Enjoy Enjoy this. This might be the only part that didn't make you fall asleep last night. And reported yesterday that, and Senator Sanders, Senator Warren confirmed in a statement that in 2018, you told her that you did not believe that a woman could win the election. Why did you say that? Well, as a matter of fact, I didn't say it. Uh, and I don't want to waste a whole lot of time on this because this is what Donald Trump and maybe some of the media want. Uh, anybody knows me, knows that it's incomprehensible that I would think that a woman could not be president of the United States. Go to YouTube today. There's a video of, the, of me 30 years ago talking about how a woman could become president of the United States. In 2015, 
I deferred, in fact, to Senator Warren. There was a movement to draft Senator Warren to run for president. And you know what? I said, stayed back. Senator Warren decided not to run, and I did, I did run afterwards. Hillary Clinton won the popular vote by three million votes. How could anybody in a million years not believe that a woman could become president of the United States? And let me be very clear. If any of the women on this stage or any of the men on this stage win the nomination, I hope that's not the case. I hope it's me. <laughs> but if they do, I will do everything in my power to make sure that they are elected in order to defeat the most dangerous president in the history of our country. So, Senators. All right. So that's his response. I mean, think what you will about Bernie. Think what you will about all this stuff. I did happen to catch there that he's apparently in 2015 took the Obama approach of leading from behind. He said, well, you know, Elizabeth Warren, do you want to run for president? Because I'm not going to run. I'm not going to run if you want to run. This is where we are today in this men versus women environment where women have been whatever these these uh, j- just you know just just the whole narrative well you know we've got to got to step back if she wants it then it's time for Hillary told us back in 2016 that it's time in fact i remember saying Nostradamus had probably written somewhere in his predictions that 2016 was the year that America the United States of America should have a female president and so that's his answer seems like a good answer to me I mean, notwithstanding his silly remarks about Trump there at the end, but he seemed to say, look, I didn't say it, whatever. So listen to the moderator's response. It's like she didn't listen to his answer. She might as well have said, Bernie, you're lying. Let me let Elizabeth Warren respond to that. Here you go. I don't know if I can get to all this, but here you go. Senator Sanders, I do want to be clear here. You're saying that you never told Senator Warren that a woman could not win the election. That is correct. Senator Warren, listen here. What did you think when Senator Sanders told you a woman could not win the election? (laughs) Even the audience responded. I disagreed. Bernie is my friend, Mm -hmm. and I am not here to try to fight with Bernie. No, no, no. But look, this question about whether or not a woman can be president has been raised, and it's time for us to attack it head on. Um, And I think the best way to talk about you know, insert any Hillary. Answer from 2016 here. You know what this is about, the same old stuff, blah, blah, blah. Of course this is about Bernie. Of course this is about fighting with Bernie. Of course this is about winning the hearts and minds of the radical left, the socialist wing of the party, the ones who think that any problem that America faces can be changed for the better because of some law passed by some politician in Washington, D.C., signed by the president of the United States. That's exactly what this is about. She is so disingenuous she is so radical. She is so unbelievable. And Bernie's radical, but Bernie's at least believable. I'm telling you, forced to make a decision between which of these two radicals I'm believing as far as talking about things truthfully, I pick Bernie over Elizabeth Warren. And you know what? Surprisingly, not because she's a woman, because she's a make-believe Native American. That's why. Because she wants to grab me a beer as she launches her 2020 campaign. Silly, stupid stuff. Got to take a break. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in a minute. Yeah, so that was the only part of the debate last night that I don't think I was wanting to doze off or 
change the channel, flip it over to Barrett Jackson, watch our friend TJ Freegie take the podium, which I enjoy watching that. I'm just anything, anything, anything besides listening to Elizabeth War- the, the debate. But the only time I didn't feel like flipping it, I think I watched an old Seinfeld rerun last night. Of course, I watched the Trump rally as this thing was going on. I, I have to watch this for you guys. This is this is my job. And I'm sitting there thinking, what did I sign up for? At least this debate, this little phony attack on Bernie. Well, Bernie, I mean, you're, you're left with the choice. Is Bernie a sexist? Right? I mean, that's that's the assumption of this moderator, whoever she is. You could say that Elizabeth Warren and this moderator were launching an attack on men, war on men, on Bernie Sanders. I don't know. If this was if the shoe were on the other foot, that's probably how this would be portrayed. But my, oh, my, they go after their own. They attack them. At least it was entertaining. But Bernie strikes me as so much more believable than Elizabeth Warren. Again, faking to be a Native American, pretending to launch her campaign by saying, I'm going to grab me a beer, honey. Grab me a beer. Let's launch this campaign. Anyway, I've got to go. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. SDGC tomorrow. Take care.